Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of But Why. This is part four of our continuing series on the Vanderbilt MSTP. Today's interview is with a student, Cody Stothers, who's just finishing his second year of medical school and is about to transition into his PhD phase. Because Cody is a newer MD-PhD student in the program, we talked about how he found his passions of science and medicine and why he decided to join the MD-PhD program. Cody comes from a rural background and was exposed to research through an excellent grade school program called Aspernaut. And the Aspernaut program links students in underserved areas, such as those that Cody grew up in, with Vanderbilt research. Cody's story is really unique and showcases how hard work, luck, and good science education can change someone's life and even the future of medicine. Hope you enjoy listening. PhD student in your second year. Um, so just so we get some framework, um, where does that put you in this eight years? Like, what are you doing right now uh, in the middle of this program? Yeah, so I am in the hospital most days, uh, seeing patients, not entirely by myself yet, but we work with the resident physicians. So those are people who have graduated medical school, but have not yet finished training and attending physicians seeing patients and prescribing medications and doing surgeries and mainly doing a clinical focus. Okay, so you're in the, is that, so that's not typical to do that in your second year, right? No, something awesome about Vanderbilt and some more schools are adopting this policy is that you make it to your clinical training, which is traditionally in the third year of medical school by the second year, so that for MD-PhD students, for example, you can actually do the bulk of your clinical training prior to your graduate school. And the thought that if you're going to have a eye-opening experience that helps determine what kind of physician you want to be, you can dial into that early so that you can pick a research mentor or research topic that aligns with those interests. Wow. Do you feel like that's actually been beneficial for you in that sense? Yeah. I, as we'll talk about, sort of had a 180 in terms of what I wanted to do clinically but also research-wise because of like an experience that I had this year. Oh well yeah that's cool we'll get into that um, but I want to start okay so you're you're in the hospital now and you've come a long way of course to get here so feels like it. Uh, <laughs> tell me about um, tell me about any scientific or medical upbringing you had were you exposed to these types of things when you were growing up yeah, I there's no one medical in my family, really, that I know of at least. Uh, I went into 10th grade avoiding science classes. I tried my hardest to not... Really? Uh, yeah, I was... Avoiding? Got, I was really into history. Um, oh, boo. And, and, <laughs> and in my high school, we had AP or, or honors type classes, as most high schools do. And I actually... Uh, passed up the opportunity to take pre-honors biology so that I could focus more on my AP world history and wow. AP art history class. That's amazing because I, my history teachers were not the strongest part of my education. Yeah. So you must have had some great history teachers. Yeah, it's, it's a department that's actually really liked at my high school. Okay. Um, but the funny thing is the teacher that I had was like had actually dropped out of graduate school (laughs) to become a high school teacher, but he was really passionate and it was biology and he taught it really well. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and I got really excited about it. Maybe I would have regardless, but 
he we were sort of on the same wavelength 10th grade me and this guy were on the same wavelength and i got really excited about biology even though i thought i was going to hate it man that'd be so cool from his perspective to just be really into history and then start <laughs> teaching it and then having students yeah. going like this is awesome yeah i i'll, I'll ask a ton of questions uh, either like in class or after class and got really into it so that in then junior and senior year, I took more science classes. And I came here, actually, to Vanderbilt yeah. for two summers as part of a... Oh, in, in high school? Mm-hmm, yeah, okay. as part of a rural outreach program. Some from a small town in Arkansas. Okay. 3,000 people, two stoplights. Two. Two. Wow. Uh, and a Walmart. And a Walmart, of course. And okay. there's a there's a scientist here, Billy Hudson, who helps bring rural or underserved communities sort of in line with science research and what being a scientist is all about and about how it's not about just memorizing a list of facts, although it can seem that way yeah. also in college. Yeah. Th- I've always noticed that that's sort of a, it's kind of a, it's a shame that they teach science that way. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Teach it like these are the facts you have to know. And when you're a scientist, you just know lots of facts, but right. that's not really what science is. Yeah. I think that it's easier to teach that way. And yeah. a-, a lot of teachers don't, um, have not had a basic science or clinical science or research career that much themselves, and so don't feel as comfortable teaching research type, you know, classes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you do get some exposure to experiments in in class. I got a little bit, but not very much at all. Yeah, in class, it's just you know, do this it's a recipe. Like, it's a recipe, yeah. and and there are some things in science that are recipe like, but those are the really boring things. Yeah, the exciting <laughs> things when you actually try and figure something out. Right, it is unfortunate, but I was lucky enough to get to come here for two summers, and then I actually ended up becoming a part of the sort of mentoring leg of that program later oh. on. And in high school, I was a mentee, and. Got it. It really opened my eyes, not just to science, but to college. Um, I wasn't, I mean, I was maybe going to apply to college, but it was a question mark. Especially wasn't going to apply to Vanderbilt, which I'd never heard of. Right. Wow. So it actually influenced me to come here and then stay here. That's so cool. still here. Wait, so how did the program get in touch with you? I mean, there's so many rural communities. Yeah. How did they find you? Sheer luck. Really? The physician or the researcher who runs the program is from Arkansas also Hmm. and he's from a really small community that actually no longer exists but when it did exist it existed pretty close to where my hometown is so my hometown was one of the pilot schools now it's actually spread a little bit of a plug if that's okay yeah you know through I think nine states and also some Native American territories wow uh kids come every summer it's called the astronaut program astronaut they all come to vanderbilt or they all come to vanderbilt and is it the southeast region or is it mainly but there are people from all over and we have our first international students this summer we have a couple of students wow. coming from spain from spain and we're like sending two students mm-hmm, and we're sending two students to spain oh that's the with a collaborator yeah. of my of the pi so if you're in high school mm-hmm. you can get hooked up with this program and be sent to spain and get paid to and do get it. Paid. And to do science? To do science. So to ask you, questions. When you were in high school, were you, and you came to Vanderbilt for those summers, yeah. did, were you doing science? What, what are some things that you were doing? Yeah, I learned how to run a gel, yeah. pipette, do an ELISA. Right. Um, I didn't really learn how to do like x ray crystallography, but it was being done in my lab, and I got to see those experiments done. Right. We, I did a Western blot, lots of Western blots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we sit in on their lab meetings, and we all present a poster at the end of the summer Wow! internally, and, and they invite a lot of the department chairs and, you know, of course, all the mentors of the students 
mentors or PIs around campus volunteer to have these high school students yeah. in their lab, and they all come, and it's like a mini symposium of astronaut students. Wow. So how did this change your perspective on what you thought your life was going to be? Because I imagine <laughs> that's, that seems to me like it's a major thing. Yeah, I would say it developed my perspective. I didn't yeah. have much of I mean, I liked school. I was on the debate team, as nerdy as that sounds, and that was really all I was going to school for. Yeah. Um, and this got me interested in science. I stayed interested in debate, but. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Man, debate is really hard. <laughs> wow, I'm amazed at those kids that can do debate. It's impressive. I like it. I don't know um, if I'll let my kids do it, though. Okay. <laughs> okay, interesting. <laughs> um, wow, so that that's so a little bit of luck, but also you had to pursue something like this. You, you so you weren't interested in science, though. You said you were interested in history. What, well, what was fortunate was this was the first summer was after my junior year, so fast forward a year. Okay. And I had signed up for AP biology and for pre-AP chemistry okay. because I'd gotten really excited about my other biology class and loved it. And when you love something in high school, that's, those are the classes you do well in because you actually care. Uh, and it's right. really easy to not care in high school. So I did well, and I think that that was recognized. Yeah. Um that's that's incredible that's that's fantastic i i don't know of that many people to get that exposure yeah in high school it's lucky because for me because it changed like i said it developed my perspective and but you know unfortunately a lot of people go their entire lives without getting that exposure yeah even in college well when when i was in college that's what i thought i thought science was memorizing lists of facts yeah um but uh the the philosophy behind science really interested me and so I decided to just join a lab and yeah. see what it was like um, and see if you really just had to learn facts. And it was not that at all. In fact, just memorizing facts is discouraged. You usually yeah. pick your fact to try to disprove. Right, exactly. That's sort of the mindset. What fact is the worst? Yeah. <laughs> and it makes the least sense because right. it's probably something that's wrong. Yeah. It's not really a fact. There's an unfortunate number of incorrect facts. Yes, uh, there. that is so true. There's an unknown no number of incorrect yeah. facts that kids are learning on a right. day basis instead of actually learning how to check whether or not they're real. Right. Um, okay, so you got off on such a great foot, I think, in science, but then you get to to college at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, and at some point, you found out about the MD-PhD program. That's um, right. And also, you must have developed an interest in becoming a physician when you were in college. So what what happened there? Well, the physician thing really just sort of started in high school. I told people that I liked biology, and everyone said, oh, so you're going to be a doctor? Or, oh, you're going to be a nurse? Or, oh, you're going to... So that was just sort of... I didn't even question it, honestly, because it was like, oh, that's what you do. I guess, if you're interested in biology, even though I'd had the exposure to research that I didn't really totally understand it as a career, right. to be honest. I knew that it was a thing that people did, but I didn't know that it was a thing that you could do independently or even um, as your entire focus. So I just sort of assumed that's what people who liked biology did. Fortunately enough, I actually liked that stuff. But so I stayed in the same lab when I came here for undergrad mm -hmm. for all four years and all four summers, actually, and really just got immersed. Wow. And I didn't learn about the MD-PhD program until uh, an MD-PhD student joined the lab. Actually, mm -hmm. Scott McCall, who's still here. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually classmates now. <laughs> yeah. Because he was in the old curriculum where students did their clinical rotations after their PhD. Yeah. And I'm in the new curriculum where you do it before your PhD. So we're actually classmates right. for a short period of time. He joined the lab. And 
I was like, whoa, you can do both. I, at yeah. that point, had learned what a PhD was and that right. you pursued graduate training. And I thought about it, but not not really really re-examined my life choices at that point. And then he was, like, doing both. So yeah, that was when I first started thinking and about it. Y- so you were on this path. You loved science. And then you sort of – was it almost – did you feel like social pressure to become a physician? I mean, you said sort that of. other people said that that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah, I just didn't question it. In, in retrospect, it was a type of social pressure, I think. But it seemed congruent with my goals. So yeah. I didn't feel any pressure – I just kind of thought that once you became a physician, you went back and did research for fun, <laughs> really? which some people do. Yeah. But but I didn't realize until I got to college and you know maybe it was a semester or two in that you sort of pursue that in and of itself. Right. And yeah, yeah and I really got on board and thought, oh, maybe I'll do this research thing. And you know, he joined, I think, my sophomore year, so I didn't. I luckily kind of got there. I think there's a misconception that all physicians know about science and all scientists know <laughs> about right. medicine. Right. Um, and when you're learning about biology, you think this must be just used for medicine. Like right. that's what this is for. So right. the people that are doctors must know all this. Right. Um, not true. Not true <laughs> in not the slightest. at all. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's so cool because we'll, whether or not you knew you were even thinking about it. Right. You were thinking in a physician-scientist mind, mind. Yeah. The things that, once I thought that I wanted to be a physician, the things that I perked up about in my undergrad bio classes were when we talked about clinical things. And right. those were the ones that piqued my interest the most. Uh, I took intro bio with Dr. Brody, Brody and Zywell, who I'm sure are still teaching, who were, who were phenomenal. They were hard, but they were phenomenal. And included a lot of clinical correlates and that's because they both actually have labs that have clinical correlates and so I just still like you said perpetuated in my mind the thought that when you do research it's for these clinical correlates right yeah it just seems almost like a given that that's what you should be doing but a lot of the as you know and hopefully at this point your listeners now know a lot of the best research comes out of non-clinically driven projects that's true that's true you need it all yeah yeah but you need someone to translate it yeah. You need someone to really turn it into turn the science into medicine or else yeah. it, won't, it won't happen. And that's actually something that I thought about a lot. It sort of started from a position where I was like, well, which one do I give up? And I thought to myself, well, I don't want to give up either. I, I had done some shadowing at this point and yeah. had seen the physician world and was like, yeah, okay, I do like that as much as I thought I would. But then I was getting really in-depth with the whole research gig and thought, well, I don't want to give either one of those up. And so that's where it started, the thought that maybe I would do both. But then talking with Scott and actually talking with uh, Dr. Jay Bave, who's a physician scientist, nephrologist at Vanderbilt, who sort of worked with our lab, I realized there was more to it. It was sort of like an emergent property. It's not just science plus medicine. It's right. scientific. It's being a physician scientist. Yeah. It's sort of its own unique third part of the part of the circle. That's uh, that's so true. And it's an emergent property that yeah. comes out, the physician scientist. It's, it's a synergy of both. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so you decide you're going to do this with your career. Yeah, what was so that there's a detour. Like? There's a detour. Okay. Vanderbilt, which they no longer have this program, actually had an early acceptance medical school program okay. that my PI, Billy, was like, you should apply for this. It'll be good practice. You know, who knows what will happen. I had no intentions of getting accepted or or saying that I would commit or anything. But I so I went through this whole – so the gig was you didn't have to take the MCAT if you got into this program nice. and you could propose something to do with all of your free time mm-hmm. that you'd no longer had to spend 
doing taking the MCAT, shadowing, and sort of checking all the boxes for medical school. And so I proposed that I would work with rural students in science, and I would continue to do my research. And uh, that's why I was accepted, actually, at the end of my sophomore year. To Vanderbilt Medical School. Yeah. And it seemed like a good idea, so I just said yes. And, and sort of put the question of being a physician scientist out of my mind for a little while, because at that point I had learned a little bit about doing research as just a physician, just a physician. Right. And so I thought, okay, we'll sort of table this and we'll figure it out later, figure okay. it out later. But then that summer and then through my junior year and actually all the way up to the summer after my junior year, it was sort of nagging at me this like, oh, actually I think sort of the emergent properties we talked about, there's something special about getting trained in both and and being skilled in both, I think. And so I just, it really uh, kept, kept sort of being in the back of my mind that I would think about this program. And, and then, so at the end of my junior year of college, um, I met with uh, John Zick, who was the guy for the early acceptance program. He's a dermatologist here. And he was like, yeah, you can apply uh, to Vanderbilt's program if you want, but now you have to go back and take the MCAT. <laughs> Right. Because you can't just apply. Right. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. But I did it. I mean, it was not that big of a deal. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people, and I realized when I heard them talk about how excited they were about it and how unique the training was and even, like, the sort of people that you meet and just how inclusive. I mean, it's eight years. How much of your life some people could look at it as some of the best years of their life. I just knew that those were the sorts of people that I wanted to hang out with. And yeah. I wanted to be as well-equipped as possible for my career. And I knew that I wanted to try to do both. And so it just seemed to make sense. Yeah. So after all that, I took the MCAT <laughs> okay. and applied to just to Vanderbilt. Um, just to Vanderbilt. Just to Vanderbilt. That okay. was like part of the contract. Got it. And But that was fine. I really like it here and, and stayed. Got in and stayed. Wow. So... Um, it was part of the contract to stay at Vanderbilt, but what were you, did you think uh, I should have applied more broadly? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, the, the deal would have been, I would have taken a year off after college and then had to reapply the next cycle. And I gave it some serious consideration. I thought about seeing other parts of the country and, Mm -hmm. and sort of seeing how research is done elsewhere. But Ultimately, I realized how little I had interacted with the research enterprise even within Vanderbilt and seemed to be a, a whole untapped resource here about. Yeah. And, and I really just, I didn't really even know that much about Vanderbilt and I liked it. So I figured there's more to like, more to learn. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have to waste or take a year off. I don't know if it would have been a waste, but it just seemed to make sense. Yeah. In retrospect, would I have not done the early thing? I don't know. But no one has to worry about that now because the program doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> whether they – they must have gotten rid of that, like, your year, I think. My year was the last year, and yeah. it's because they wanted to make the class so much smaller right. to accommodate more clinical students. And so yeah. they got rid of it. That's right. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that program, I think, is good in some ways, but also has some drawbacks. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it, it was – necessarily the best program right. for everyone so, some people checked out for a few years yeah um and some people change what they want to do in college yeah i have to apply and commit when they're a sophomore right sometimes. I, I certainly changed yeah um so okay so you you get in per the contract with yeah um and you start on this eight-year journey yeah um so and now you're you're two years in does it feel what does it feel like to be two years into an eight-year program that's i haven't really thought about it that i'm only a fourth of the way done the years go by so fast you're a quarter of the way done yeah 
Yeah. Um, it feels okay. I'm happy about the the length never really deterred me. Okay. Just because I enjoy it. And what else? I don't know what else I was going to do with my life. I didn't want to get a job. <laughs> At least right, not yet. Okay. So uh, it makes sense to me. And it's it's been mainly focused on clinical stuff because it, it are the first two years are medical school. And being in the hospital has only reaffirmed how much I definitely want to be a physician and how much I love the clinical atmosphere. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this year. Even, even branches of medicine that I never thought I was going to like or have an interest in, I've actually really enjoyed my rotation with them. And so it's only reaffirmed that aspect of my training, which is good because I was pretty sure, more sure that I was interested in, in research. And so this is just sort of solidified the entire package. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, that's great. Yeah, a lot of people go both ways. Yeah. You know, some people do clinical stuff and they think they don't really like it, especially a bunch of science kids that do clinical stuff. Right. Sometimes they don't right. love it as much. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really flown by. The first year is all classes. It's like yeah. undergrad, just a lot more intense. Yeah. Um, you still just study every night and take tests. So that's yeah. is what it is. It's sort of like paying your dues, I feel like. At least we only have one year of it instead of two. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have one. Um, 13 months. So yeah, at yeah. the beginning, you said that uh, your the, the design of the Vanderbilt curriculum is so you get exposure to clinical. Yeah. Um, and that will inform your decisions about research, which happens after the clinical now. Right. So for, like you were saying, for, for those who don't know about the structure of the MD-PhD program, it's two years of something. At Vanderbilt, it's one year of preclinical, one year of clinical. And then you do four years of PhD lab work. And then you do, now it's one year yeah. um, of clinical again at the end. Um, so technically a seven-year um, program now, uh, which is cool for you. <laughs> um, and uh, and so you're sort of on the cusp of starting your um, graduate work. Right. And, and, and so the intention was to try and expose you to clinical things so that you can make a better decision about that. Yeah, so. which has been big, big for me because my undergraduate research and what I thought my main interests were was in biochemistry, pharmacology, yeah. and I'm still really enjoy those subjects, but being on the wards, as it's called, this year, and being just in the hospital every day, and sometimes at night, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, re I came to realize sort of the types of patients that I wanna take care of. And I know for myself and my personality that I wanna take care of really sick people, even in an ICU setting mainly. And so people who are dealing with a lot of problems and you have to think about every aspect of their care and it's very hands-on and uh, people are really sick and, and some of them are, are gonna die, but that's, that's sort of you kind of living on that edge there mm -hmm. when you're dealing with a lot of really sick people. And I got really into that. And even didn't realize that in my first year of medical school when I'm just sitting in the classroom, I, those topics came up, but that just, I was like, okay, that's cool, mm -hmm. just like anything else. But in the hospital, you learn sort of the personality behind different fields, and that was where I felt most at home. People are very serious and very intent on doing good by their patients, and mm -hmm. as most physicians are, or all physicians are, and, but it just felt like home. And so I got really excited and was able to do more time in the ICU and more time, and I eventually figured out that I think that I want to sort of work with as an anesthesiologist and okay. and as an, in an ICU, and so that afforded me the opportunity to do a quick Google search and what anesthesiology uh, people or anesthesiologists are doing research at Vanderbilt. Yeah, um, and that's how I found Ed's lab, as you know. <laughs> yeah, um, the, well, that's that's so cool because 
you really did use your clinical yeah. experience. It's not like it affirmed something that you knew about. No, or... and, and the funny thing is that the the graduate training program that I'm going to join is microbiology and immunology, which was hands down my least favorite class of first <laughs> year. <laughs> but it's it sort of goes back to the same thing we've been talking about all along, which is in medical school that class is taught as a list of facts. Yeah, this and this uh, bacteria is treated with this antibiotic and presents with these five things that you have to look out for. Right. Sort of cut and dry. And right. every now and again, you'll get this new superbug or something that's interesting and scary. But you're not really thinking about who or why or 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 what the what behind um, the why <laughs> behind right. all of that. And so. Thinking about those questions from a more research perspective didn't seem all that bad to me. In fact, it seems very, very interesting. Yeah. So it, yeah. So and now you're going to be studying immunology. That's right. Um, in the context of I, I, of what? <laughs> so in the context of you know patients in the ICU, they yeah. uh, the lab that I'm joining looks at burn wounds, looks at uh, infections with different fungi and or even bacteria and sort of the types of infections that people who are sick in the hospital get really sick with right. or even come to the hospital and then when they think they're just about to leave they catch a bug in the hospital and those are the ones that are the most resistant to the most different kinds of treatments and those are sort of the the pathogens that this lab studies and and how our body can how they fail to fight them off and how we could better fight yeah. them off in the future yeah it's true you know people know about getting infections when it's cold outside and right. they get the flu or something. But when you're in the hospital and there's all kinds of weird, strange superbugs right. floating around. Scary to be in a hospital. And you're, of course, in a vulnerable state. Yeah. Um, because you just had surgery, you just had a, an injury, like a trauma or burn. Right, and your immune system's at its lowest yeah. and is confused. Yeah. And anesthesiologists take care of those people when they're sick? Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, and I didn't know that until I started medical school. But an anesthesiologist's job doesn't end in the operating room. They do put people to sleep and wake them up, and that's fascinating and very challenging and rewarding job, but that's not where their day ends. A lot of anesthesiologists do other things, and one of them is go sort of lead an ICU team, yeah. uh, even a burn ICU or even a surgical ICU. They sort of co-lead it with the surgeons. And so... They're helping take care of those patients daily uh, when they're at their sickest. Yeah. And there's a couple different ways that you do that. You can do that as a pulmonologist, sort of pulmonology uh, critical care. You can do it through anesthesia. You can do it through trauma surgery. There's a lot of ways to sort of get there, if you will. Mm -hmm. But, uh, And I knew that's where I wanted to end up, and I just had to think about which path I liked the most, and that's the one that I liked yeah. the most. Very cool. So now you're talking about these potential career paths. Yeah. Um, where do you see yourself, let's say, 15 years Still from in now? school. <laughs> no, <laughs> Still I'm kidding. in school. I'm kidding. No, but so like, let's give enough time right. for you to complete the MD-PhD yeah. program all seven years. Um, wh where, do you see, where do you see yourself? So I want to do clinical training and anesthesiology, yeah. almost certainly, although that I guess could change. Things seem to always change about what right. you want to do with your life. But that's what I see myself doing. I want to definitely take care of patients. Um, like I said, I've only been affirmed in that since coming to medical school. And I want to try to have my own lab. It's sort of the, the dream. And I think it's an underutilized career path in ICU medicine, but one that's, that is actually growing a little bit because you sort of take care of the patients uh, on rounds and you sort of make all your decisions in the mornings. 
and uh, then you do administrative stuff in the afternoons and you have a whole team of people to sort of watch over the patients. You don't just leave them alone, but you have time in the afternoons and when you're not in the ICU to, to, to pursue other things and a lot of people pursue yeah. teaching. And But what I think I want to pursue is sort of the mantra of all physician scientists is looking at the same problems that are sort of affecting my patients in the ICU, look at them also in the lab. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's definitely the dream. And that's yeah. it's cool because you're joining a lab where that's what they're doing. That's yeah. what the, the, the PI of the lab is doing. It'll be nice to have a boss who's successfully navigated both yeah. career paths himself. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, okay, so one final question. Um, and this is for any undergrads that yeah. may be listening um, that are interested in medical school or graduate school or both. Yeah. Um, what's some advice you have for, for students Man. that are interested in medicine or, or science? I would, hmm. You know what I would do? I would take what everyone tells me, including what I'm about to tell you, sort of with a grain of salt, and <laughs> really find a way to... to be exposed personally, whether that's through a shadowing program for medicine or a summer research job, and not just sort of like a part-time, uh, get paid to clean glassware type job, but actually get in there and fail at an experiment yeah. or or see uh, you know a intense discussion between a couple of physicians or go to an o operating room if you think that that's what you're interested in and really see what it's like and don't think about how bored you might seem because you don't you don't know anything yet think about look at the person who's actually doing the surgery or who's doing the the research and look at how happy they are with their lives and sort of picture yourself would i fit in that that sort of space do i have the similar personality do i have a similar goal do i have similar um interests and try not to just to be uh, discouraged by a bad experience you have because it, it gets, you know, as your stage of training gets better, um, it gets way more fun. And yeah. so just look at where everyone is and how much fun they're having or not having and, and ask yourself, can you see yourself in their position? Wow. So just don't take anyone's word for it. Get in there and do it yourself. Yeah, that's great advice. It especially, I think that's a way that we can solve this problem yeah. of uh, learning lists right. in science. And people feeling really bored by that. Yeah. You know, go look at what a scientist is actually it doing. It gets better. <laughs> it gets better. It even gets better from your undergrad lab. Right. As you get more responsibility in graduate school and in medicine. Medicine gets right. better as you right. get more responsibility. I, first year of medical school felt like I was memorizing a lot too. But every morning, even as a second year student, you're you're part of the decision-making team. You're, yeah. You see the patients first in the morning and really sort of contribute to the overall care. Yeah. Well, that's super. that's super cool. Uh, okay, that's all the time we have, unfortunately, but thanks for coming on. Yeah, no Thanks worries. for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. 